Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. So um, I've entitled my message today, because uh, a week or two ago I talked on uh, that we've been delivered to deliver. We've been delivered to deliver. I don't know if you know that, but when God saves you, He does it because He loves you, but He also does it because He has others in mind. God saves you, He does it for you, He loves you, but He always does it with others in mind. God's thinking about other people. And, uh, and so we need to be thinking about that because if that's the case, then, and as I just said, life is short, we need to make sure that we are, you know, doing what God's called us to do in order to see that come about. So I entitled my message, this is like a part two really, but deliverers need to learn to fight. <laughs> deliverers need to learn to fight. I don't know if you know everybody, but you live in a very spiritual world. In the West, where we have so much stuff, we have our cars and we have things. In the West, everything's about things. And uh, whereas in other places in the world, they want things. People want things because you need things to live. But they understand things in other places in the world that we here just kind of laugh off or don't take the... Or we take is like, oh, no, that's uneducated. But... If you are in uh, Africa or Asia or South America and lots of other places in the world, they understand that there's a full spiritual realm. They have great understanding that many of us in Australia, because of things, we're not in touch with the spiritual realm. And they understand that there is good and there is evil. Isn't that right? Everybody from Africa, Asia and South America. And uh, so... Can I encourage you, in the West, we're a little bit uneducated. We think we're so educated, but when it comes to spiritual things, we're actually very naive and actually many times uneducated and without understanding. And so we just dismiss things that people, as I said, in Asia, Africa, South America and other places, they experience for real. And they know that the spirit realm is very real. By the way, can I encourage you, try and get the podcast from the last couple of weeks, because the last couple of weeks, I think I've been saying some things that are really, really important right now for us as believers. And if you get hold of it, it's really going to help you, hello, to conquer and to push through into what God's got for you. So, so I'm saying that to say to you that in case you don't know it, you're in a spiritual battle whether you see it or not. There's a spiritual battle whether you see it or not. And uh, what is it? Different levels, different devils. If you ever think you have a challenging time, try being a senior pastor or a pastor. Can I encourage you, pray for our pastors. Pray for our leadership team. Because we will be confronting things that you're not. Because as you head into what the Lord wants you to do, and if you step up for leadership, you step into headwinds spiritually. And so the enemy is always trying to knock you off course. And uh, can I encourage you, if you're not, in any, not carrying anything in the kingdom, at least be somebody who's committed to God's house and be a prayer of that. Don't work against. You can be a Christian working against the things of the kingdom. But we need to realize there's a spiritual enemy and there's God's kingdom, 
And unless we're aware of that, the enemy will be doing a great work without us even having a clue. How many Christians around the world have their children not serving the Lord, their grandchildren not serving the Lord? And when I say serving the Lord, I don't mean religious. You can be a religious person all your life and go to church, but in relationship to God, be numb. You can be totally numb. Things things just wash over you. And, And one of the great things the enemy has done is he's blinded your eyes to that fact. So it just washes over you, but you're religious. And Jesus said the traditions of men nullify the word of God. Gee, the traditions of men nullify the word of God. So Jesus is saying to us, you better be careful. I better be careful with things that I allow as a tradition because nullify means bring to naught the word of God in your life. Whoa. So if, as I said, the enemy's at work, we need to go, hang on a minute. I gotta be very, very alert in my generation that I need to be praying, leading, exampling love for God, love for God's house. By the way, if you don't love God's house, you ain't in the New Testament. Because, and I've got the head of the Bible college nodding her head directly at me. Because God loves his house. He loves his bride. He loves his church. He's coming back for that. Why do so many Christians not love it? Why do they walk in and out the door of churches without so much as a please or a thank you? No understanding because of the work of the enemy that we need to protect and guard and love one another and love God's bride in his house. So let me just read to you Psalm 5, 11 to 12. Love it. It says, but let all who take in you, but let all who, let all who take in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, Lord. I love that. That all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. There's a good word, everybody. You bless the godly. God wants to bless you. And you surround them with your shield of love. You surround them with your shield of love. God this morning is surrounding you with a shield of love. Even there, there's that sense of God's like, he's alert. He's got his shield up. He's got his spear up. He's alert to the fact that there are things coming against you. And God says, I surround you with my shield of love. Everybody, we need to surround each other with a shield of love. We need to surround our family with a shield of love. We need to surround our children and our grandchildren with a shield of love. We need to put that around them. Uh, and we need to be protecting them because the Bible teaches us we have a spiritual enemy. Right now, if you're in a challenging moment, can I encourage you, you will come out of it with Jesus Christ. If you're in a challenging moment right now, you will come through with Jesus. Hang on, you're not excited enough about that. If you are in a challenging moment, you're going to come out of it. You're going to come out of it. You're going to come through it. God's plan is that you come out of it and you come through it. That is God's plan for you. And that you will have victory in your life in Jesus' name. But the Bible teaches us, and we were in uh, the book of Exodus just a week or two ago, and uh, I talked about how Pharaoh really... uh, Bible theologians tell us he's really a type of the, the devil. And uh, in Exodus 8, 28, I was just looking at again how Pharaoh said 
to Moses, I'll let you go so that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only you shall not go very far away. Make supplication for me. So he goes and says, you can pray for me. But right there, Pharaoh's saying, don't go very far. Don't go very far away with this. Bible reminding us, the enemy will tell you, don't get too carried away as a Christian. Don't get too committed. Don't get too connected. Don't get too involved. He's always trying to um, uh, get you to settle down, sit down. He loves Christians who live in the level of no sacrifice. Christianity of no cost. And what happens is you end up finding all other Christians who the enemy has hoodwinked with that, and you end up together. You need to look for people who are sacrificial. You need to say, who is a sacrificial Christian? Because you cannot be a Christian and walk with the Lord and not realize it involves sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. And uh, there's no doubt about it. But everybody's level of that, obviously, is going to be to a degree different because of what God is asking people to do. But every believer is called to sacrifice. So can I encourage you? Go ahead. Don't let the enemy stop you. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, Paul here speaking to the Corinthians says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. You can't fight the enemy by the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And he says here, we're destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Paul saying to the Corinthians here, listen, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with the people you don't like. It's not with that person. Your battle actually is with thinking here. He's saying, he's actually saying we're destroying arguments. When we preach... Logic that comes against God, so-called worldly logic. Arrogance that raises itself against the knowledge of God. That's what the world does right now. That's raising up this arrogance against God. Uh, and uh, and we've got to say, hang on a minute. Help me, Lord, not to be partake of that. And Jesus and Paul saying to the Corinthians, the way that you don't become part of the world is to bring every thought captive. So if you want to realize what spiritual warfare is, it's when I say, Lord, I give you this thought, which is arrogant, and it's lifting itself up against you. God, I give you that thought. I give you this thought. You might need to take every thought captive for 20 seconds, every 20 seconds. Some of you are saying, I'm doing that right now. <laughs> so that's how I started out as a new Christian. Okay, Lord, I give you that thought. I give you that thought. So the reason uh, people are you know, working in some ways in opposition to the Word of God in places is because they have raised up their thinking above God's, what they think. And in that arrogance, they've lost God, and then you bring blindness. And so what's happened, and that's why now in the world, things that you never thought of 20 years ago, people would even talk about, today it's been lifted up as absolutely above God. We haven't even thought about it 20 years. Why is that? Because arrogance takes you to places you never wanted to go. So spiritual warfare here is your thinking. Paul's saying, take every thought captive, every thought, every thought captive in Jesus' name. Whatever thought is setting itself up against God, every thought that's proud against God, take that thought captive and say, Lord, I give you that thought in Jesus' name. Um, 2 Corinthians 2, which I talked about last week, you know, Verse 10 to 11 says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, 
so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with his schemes. Paul's saying again to the Corinthians, listen, the enemy has wiles, he's scheming, he's, he is planning stuff, and Christians need to be alert to that. He's saying you need to be aware there is a scheme over your life. I think most people don't have an awareness of that. That's why there's no sense of, oh my gosh, my friend is lost, or my children are lost, or my children have no heart for God, or my grandchildren. Listen, you may need some wisdom on that, get some counsel, but we need some prayer. We need to have a sense of, I need to get moving, because the enemy is scheming to get us to sit down. And also, he's scheming to get you disconnected. When you meet casual Christians, they wander around wherever, I'm like, already they do not even realize the enemy's got you. Because the power is in the being planted where God placed you and then outworking the call of God from that place. Paul's saying we're, not a, we're, not, we're familiar with his evil schemes. And can I just say to you too, you may have a Sunday school kind of devil. He's like a little, you know, baddie over here. I want to tell you, he's a grown-up devil. He's a mature devil who's got plans for Christians. So we need to say, Lord, help me to walk wisely and humbly in Jesus' name. Help me to walk wisely and humbly. And by the way, you cannot defeat darkness on your own. You need Christ. You need prayer. You need uh, you know, uh, other people around you praying. Our leadership team here knows when there's certain things you do as Christians. When you do it, it's like the enemy hates it. The moment we started buying buildings, bought this building, uh, ask our leadership teams, like, all hell broke loose. The moment you start taking land for Christ, it's like, what happened there? Spiritual stuff coming out from everywhere. You're like, huh? Second building, suddenly got this stuff happening everywhere. Why? Because the enemy has a scheme. He has a scheme. So we need to say, Lord, help me not to be ignorant. Here's a scheme that you think that your life right now, you'll just be here forever. There's a scheme. The fact that you think, oh, I'll just be here forever. What I'm doing now is fine. Well, the Bible tells us that in James, our life's like a vapor that appears and disappears. It's like the kettle, the steam coming out, and then you turn off the kettle, and now your life is fading. So the Bible says in Proverbs, if you're a wise person, you're numbering your days. Why is that? Because all of us will stand before the Lord. God gave you. He's going to return you. And so we're going to go, hang on a minute. I need to make sure with my life right now, Jesus, that I'm using it in the way that you want. Wow. That I'm, you know, that I'm not, uh, I'm not just caught up with I'll be here forever. No, you're not. We don't know how long we've got. Funny thing for me, when I ended up uh, heading into management, leadership management in Westmead Hospital in Sydney, and I was training in all the departments. They were training me in all the departments there in uh, management and leadership. And then I ended up having to do stuff where, and all the medical people know, I ended up in the mortuary having to do uh, connections with the people who died in the hospital. And I could not get over, particularly on a Monday at Westmead Hospital, going down the mortuary, how many people had died over the weekend? And how many people, young and old, were in that mortuary? I used to go in there every week and go, how? people need to know about this. We need to take a photo of this. There are so many people dying here in Sydney. It was like every week packed out. And I'd be like, people going like that. We hide death in our culture. We hide it. It has to be hidden. You can't even see why, why are we hiding it? 
We should be aware of it so that we go, I need to live in reality. And the Bible says, he who's wise is numbering their days. What are you numbering your days for? Not so, hey, I've got to get another round of golf in. (laughs) Got to get one more spa treatment in. Now listen, both of those are good. (laughs) Enjoy your spa, enjoy your, but that's not it, everybody. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is what am I here for? What am I here for? And if you saw my tweet this week, I saw the two guys who went up into space. How much did that cost to go into space? Hundreds, 100 billion each, I don't know, more. And they're going into space. And I just tweeted out yesterday, if you saw my tweet. And then who's next? Uh, Elon Musk is about to go up as well. And I went, you guys are going into space. I went into space for 10 minutes, and then you return to Earth, and it cost $100 billion. Right now in the nation of Niger in West Africa, Half a million children are starving to death between the ages of naught to six. Half a million. That's just one country in Nigeria. So yes, I tweeted out, guys, it's awesome that you went into space. Great. But isn't it much more noble to fill the space of 500,000 children now starving to death in Nigeria who don't get a mention? That's just one country. Maybe you can do something about that. There's a purpose right there. But instead, they're going to the moon. I'm like, I wanted to say, you guys are going to be meeting the Lord shortly. And what was it all about? Nice. But this is important. Don't worry about going into space. There's space in the hungry stomachs of children across the world that need to be filled. Let's fill that space. (laughs) Okay. So, as I said, the en- the, Paul's letting us know the enemy's got schemes. And most of us are unaware that even now we're being impacted by that scheme. Most of us are unaware. Because if we're aware, we'd be living differently. And you'd know I am living differently because I'm really aware of this. So here's the thing. Here's two errors we can make in regards to our enemy, who the Bible says is the devil. One is to overestimate him. Another is to underestimate him. One is to overestimate him, another is to underestimate him. And Paul's teaching us too, don't underestimate him here. Ephesians 6, verse 12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And that word wrestle in the, in the I think it's the Greek, yeah, the Greek, It basically means you're on the ground, rolling around, fighting over it. So Paul is saying, listen, everybody, don't underestimate your enemy, the devil, because he's a principality. He's powers. He's rulers. He's trying to let you know that, you know, he's a formidable enemy. You have a formidable enemy. That's why you'll see, too, one generation of people serving the Lord and then another next generation, the generation after, they're not. Because the people here and then the next generation forgot where God got their family from. Well, you rescued my parents, you rescued my grandparents, but I'm fine. And our formidable enemy has deceived people and they settle into some kind of passive religiosity. And everything else in this world is more important than God, his house, working out in the community from there, doing your calling. And the enemy scheme is coming to play, and we have no clue. 
So Paul is saying, listen, everybody, he's a formidable enemy. You have a formidable enemy. You cannot live your Christian life and just be casual because in one generation, you are, we, lose, we lose so much. And here's the thing. Who pays the price? Who pay, well, I'll, actually, I'll go on. I'll continue on. I'll tell you who pays the price in a minute. Stay tuned. So, so Paul's saying have, he's a familiar enemy, but also don't go the other way where you have this unhealthy interest and focus always in the enemy and what he's doing. Don't be doing that either. So be strong in the Lord. But what we can do is sometimes if we're doing a wrong response to the enemy, we have a super spiritual response and we say, everything that's happening to me, it's all the devil. <laughs> no, it's all the devil, all the devil, all the devil. Sometimes it's not the devil at all. Let's see our choices. It's like the person who has, keeps in, being involved in car crashes. Don't know what's wrong with the drivers in Perth and you've been involved in nine crashes. You need to consider that possibly you're the driver of one of the potential vehicles causing the problem. <laughs> we need to say, hang on, hang on a minute. It's not all the devil. The other side of it is our natural response. I know you just need med medicine and counseling. So for those of you who have not been around spiritual things, uh, I can tell you that there are, the enemy is very real. When I got saved, I was, I was involved in some stuff that was really uh, not godly, and I was also at parties with people who were involved in occult. And when I got saved, I really gave my life to the Lord. I really was like, Lord, if you're real, I'm, I'm, I'm mean business. I want to know you. And I can remember going to two of my friends, not long after I became a Christian, and I went back into this dark area where we were kind of still had friends. And I, was, and I walked in the door with my friends. And there was a girl who was obviously, I could tell straight away, she was involved in witchcraft. And she just yelled at me, get out of here. I sense the Holy Spirit. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> this Jesus thing is very cool. <laughs> because because, because I, was, I was hoping to be good. <laughs> but there was no goodness coming off me. That was the fact that Jesus now lived in me. And I think that transition from darkness to light, you know, there was a brightness there. Everybody, you need to know the spiritual world is very real. And so we can actually try and naturalize things. Some of us, uh, unless someone is turning around, their head's turning around and we're seeing green coming out, we don't believe in the spiritual realm. <laughs> can I encourage you? It's very, very real. That, and, uh, and the movies, just some of them are movies. But you need to know too, for us who've traveled and those who've been near dark stuff, some of the occult stuff you see in movies, they're taking that from reality. They're not taking that. That's not a fantasy stuff. A lot of them are touching stuff. And if you've, been if you've touched that area, I've seen some things or whatever. I saw a movie come up on the plane a while ago. And when I touched it, I was like, it, didn't, it doesn't look overtly evil. And when I watched it, I was like, that is completely, those person, people know exactly what they're doing. So there's demonic. So we're in that battle, but we just need to not get over, overawed with it, where it's like too much that way. Realize everyone too, the devil's a liar. John 8, 44 says, you belong to your father. The devil, Jesus said, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. The devil lies and he lies to people. And it goes on, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Wow. So the devil, as I said, has two strategies. The devil tries to make a bad, person, a bad person worse through our flaws. All of us have flaws. So the enemy goes for our flaws. And so we've got to continually say, Lord, I bring my flawed life to you. 
uh, so God can protect us. So the two ways the enemy attacks us, everyone, just so you know, is temptation and accusation. They're the two ways. If you're wondering, how does God, how's the enemy attack me, God's child? How does he do that? It's through temptation and accusation. Through temptation, it's when we have too high a view of ourselves, and the enemy comes in on that and, uh, and then offers us uh, various levels of temptation. And then also the Bible tells us he's the accuser of the brethren. You know, for those who don't think, oh, hang on, I don't think that that's even true. Do you know there's some things in the earth that are just evil? You know, what happened to camp in Cambodia when Pol Pot and his uh, Khmer Rouge got together and killed two million people, took it back to Nort, square one, everybody, that was just evil. There's, there's no logic in this stuff. The Rwandan genocide, you, if you talk to people who are involved in the genocide, um, they say, I don't know what happened to me, I was taken over. And they'll say now over and over again, I was taken over by the devil. And they're not lying or trying to excuse themselves. Many of them are in jail. But they said, I was taken over. Why? Because evil is real. North Korea, to oppress your people, how they are doing it in North Korea, that's just evil. Eritrea right now. Oh my gosh, just what's happening to the people there. They take, put you in a military service when you're 15 or 16, and you're in it possibly for the rest of your life, unpaid. And then they put you in prison in a small cell for 12 years, and you have no court case. Look, some things are just evil. And we need to, in countries like Australia, where we're free, be praying, but also be working to help wherever we can, because some people are facing stuff that we will never face because we have the, the ticket of living here. Um, yeah, so, so we need to just uh, understand that we need to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You've been born again. You've been born of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you walk in God's power, there is something that is so incredibly powerful that breaks the enemy's hold over your life and then over your family's life. But you've got to walk in it. You've got to be praying. You've got to be declaring. You've got to be speaking out, um, God, that you are with me. And also walking, believing that he is. I love how 1 John 4 verse 17 says, As he is, so we are in this world. So as he is now, Jesus is saying, I'm with you, you're walking, and I'm filling you, walk in my power, but be aware that there is an enemy who is out, hello, working schemes to deceive us. Um, 1 Peter 5.8 says, be so, of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The Bible's saying here, hang on, the enemy's not just, you know, he's not just having a, he's upset at you. The Bible says, no, be awake, be sober, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You need to be telling the devil, you can't devour me. You can't devour my children. You can't devour my husband or wife. You can't devour my grandchildren in Jesus' name. So here's what he does with temptation. Let me just tell you a couple of thoughts on that. Temptation. The devil, when he's trying to get you to tempt you away from God's purpose, away from the Lord, away from his plan, he shows you the bait but hides the hook. All the fishermen know what's going on there. The enemy shows you the bait, but he hides the hook. He shows you short-term pleasure and he hides from us the long-term pain. Do you know whenever adults, whenever we choose, I'm going to do that and I'm going to take, I'm going to, it's, I'm going to do it for the pleasure. 
Do you know who is always the ones I've watched over 40 years now as a Christian who pays the price? Children. Every time it's the children. Men, mums, single people, dads. Can I encourage you, before you take the hook, which the devil hides from you, think of the pain that all the children over the generations have had from Christians. Because the enemy hides from our eyes what we are going to do to our choices um, to our children, grandchildren. If your children can't say, I'm walking in God's purpose and plan, mom and dad, you've taken the hook. If your grandchildren aren't excited about God's house, because Jesus is, the whole New Testament's about it, and not excited about God's purpose, listen, granddad and grandma, you have taken the hook. And the children are the ones who will pay the price. Talk about God's call to them. Well, what does that mean? They'll never know. They'll never know. Whereas your children need to know that. I believe my children know that. They need to know it. Your grandchildren need to know it. Here's the next one. The enemy gets us to rationalize sin. <laughs> so we start sitting and the enemy's getting us to rationalize it. We start saying, to ourselves, well, I'm not really nosy. I'm just a concerned person. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm just making it easier for you to receive. When he's tempting us, he overemphasizes the mercy of God. The devil over, God is so merciful, it doesn't matter what you do. It's, he'll overemphasize that. And what the devil will do is he shows you the sins of other people to help you justify your sin. That's what he does. He's like, God's so merciful. And he said, Look at them, look what they did. And shows you that, and you go, Oh, yeah, that was worse than me. And he's trying to get us to take the hook. You'll go through a challenging season in your life, maybe some suffering. And then the enemy starts saying, hey, look, those people are Christians or not Christians. And look at their good life and look at your life right now. Everybody, don't judge your life by a season. Seasons come and seasons go. And God's going to take you to a new season. He gets Christians to live in compartmental living. I'm always amazed when I go to uh, certain nations in the world, you know, and you'll see the leader of the nation and there's terrible things happening in that nation. And then I go, who is this person? And I find out they go to church every week. <laughs> there's one leader uh, in Africa who is doing some terrible things in one of the nations. And I'm like, what is, and by the way, it could be any nation. I'm just using the one that I went to. And he was doing terrible things and he was up singing in his wife's choir. She was the pastor of the church every week. I'm like compartmentalized. I'm a Christian here and I'm not a Christian here. A bit like the mafia. I kill people, but I love my mom. <laughs> and I eat her spaghetti. Revelation 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God has the authority and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. So here's the other side. If the enemy can't get you through temptation, he moves on to accusation. He will get you to look more at your sin than at your Savior. Everybody, we need to move our gaze. <laughs> For every time you look at your past sin, you need to take five gazes at who, what Jesus has done. So every time you look back to your past, oh, Lord, I failed here. That's one gaze. Take five gazes at your Saviour who died on the cross for you and has fully, hello, forgiven you in Jesus' name. He gets us to obsess over past sins. Everyone, 
Don't obsess over past sins. The Bible says God throws our sins as far as the east is from the west and remembers them no more. If God forgets your sin, why are you remembering it? Actually, you're lifting yourself above Him. You need to say, Lord, you've forgotten it. Help me to forget now. Um, To see our troubles, here's what He does, another accusation. He starts getting us to see our troubles and what you're going through. He starts accusing that God is punishing you for something. You're going through challenge, you're going through sickness, you're going through difficulty. The devil starts accusing you, well, you must have really sinned because God is putting you through this. Everybody, that is a lie. And, uh, and he starts telling you God's mad at you. Everybody, God loves us. God doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. God doesn't condemn. He'll just say, hey, listen, don't do that. Why does he say that? Because he's a protective father saying, you're going to hurt yourself. Don't do that. I don't want you wounded. I don't want you missing out. I don't want you in sin so that now your heart starts to be clogged and starts to be numb and then you lose my love. Don't go there. Don't do that. So God uh, convicts us to protect us while the enemy condemns us. God's doing it because He's mad at you because of that sin. Remember that sin? Well, God's mad at you. By the way, everyone, you need to know God does not send sickness. God does not send sickness. We are humans having a human experience. We believe for healing, but God does not send sickness. So don't be thinking that He does. We go, the inner struggles and feelings that I have, these thoughts, these desires, if I was a real Christian, I wouldn't have them. Rubbish. (laughs) Sometimes you can be living your life in the most holy, righteous way, and suddenly the enemy just jumps on your head. Anybody ever had the enemy jump on your head? You were walking with the Lord, loving God, and then you're like, what? Where did that come from? Listen, because a bird lands on your head doesn't mean you need to let it nest. <laughs> and, it do, and don't take it as that's who you are. Every person has struggles. Every person has feelings. Every person has temptations. Just don't let the bird nest. I've sinned, okay? Oh, it's trying, enemy, you're trying to land that on me. I just push that out the nest in Jesus' name. And Lord, I give you my mind. I give you my thinking in in Jesus' name. Amen. The enemy either gives us an enlarged sense of holiness and minimizes God's love, where I'm fine with God. I can do anything. (laughs) Uh, Or he gives us an inflated sense of God's love and plays down his holiness so that we do the things that God said in his word not to do. God's not that into that. He's fine. He's cool. And in actual fact, what it does is we go into denial. And ultimately, we're left with large pain and regret. Re, what is it? Uh, you know, um, stopping short-term gratification weighs an ounce. But regret weighs a ton. Regret weighs a ton. So we need to say, Lord, help me not to enter that. He that gives us a huge sense of guilt or no guilt. <laughs> I, I use the word, really, conviction. The enemy puts guilt on us. God puts conviction. So we're either, he's just adding guilt on, oh, no, you're so bad, or he gives you nothing. And um, I like what a guy said. I think his name's Thomas Brooks. He said, the remedy for those who are accused, some, there'll be people here right now, you're under a big accusation. The enemy's trying to attack you with accusation. The remedy for accusation is to look at all your sins as though they were charged to the account of Christ. (laughs) Let me say that again. The remedy for accusation is to look at all your sins as though they were charged to the account of Christ. Uh, 
go to God, everyone, because He has underwritten your life and your future. (laughs) Here's a good thought. It's like the wife who said, if I owe you anything, go to my husband. (laughs) Go to Christ. Don't sit down, but go to God and say, Lord, help me, Father, to repent of my old life, my sin now, God. But Lord, take my hand and take me forward in Jesus' name. Don't let the enemy beat up your heart any longer. But remember, Jesus paid the price for you. He's done it all for you. All we need to do is receive it and receive His forgiveness and His grace. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.